This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodger fans? And thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided. And if you want to get the latest on your Dodgers content, go ahead and Google search Dodgers way and go to the website to get the latest on your Los Angeles Dodgers, who are 44 and 34 as we're recording Tuesday evening at the very beginning of this Coors Field series against the Rockies. Dodgers walking away with the first game led by Clayton Kershaw. We'll get to more on Clayton Kershaw in a second because Clayton Kershaw has been incredible this season. But Kevin Klein here, not flying solo. Jake is somewhere in France right now. And then David, don't know where he's at, but I guess he's roaming the streets of the Bay Area. But we got a familiar name and personal friend back on the Incline Dodgers, Chris Camello. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Camello. And make sure to check out and download the Outlet Forum podcast. They are doing basketball content on a weekly basis. They're also doing Instagram lives. So big things happening right now at the outlet forum as the off season's about to begin. Chris, welcome back to the incline. How's it going? That's a heck of an intro. Thank you, Kev. Uh, yeah, things are good, man. Yeah. J- just dropped another episode of the outlet forum. So be sure to download and follow wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple pod, uh, Apple podcasts, uh, Google play, iHeartRadio. But Enough about that. How about the Dodgers? Winners of five out of six, and it looks like disaster has been averted uh, amidst the June swoon, wouldn't you say, Kev? Yes, they are really turning it around right now. A great series victory against the Astros, which we're, of course, going to dive into. Great win today. They are only two and a half now back of the Arizona Diamondbacks for first place in the NOS. They're still in third place, but a half game behind the Giants. Meanwhile, the Padres are falling apart. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this disastrous Padre season later in the episode. But let's start with Clayton Kershaw. He threw six shutout innings at Coors Field. He was flirting with a no-hitter, got it broken up in the sixth inning. He only gave up one hit, and that was it. He came out early. He told Dave Roberts he's done. In the latest presser, which just came out a few minutes ago, he just said he wasn't feeling like himself, isn't too concerned, and he should be able to make his next go-around. So for now, I'm not going to read too much into it. But Clayton Kershaw is pitching at a Cy Young caliber rate right now. He's got a 255 ERA on the season, and he is rocking it with 10 wins, which leads the National League. In the month of June, he has been absolutely incredible. Five June starts, a 109 ERA. So year 16, that's just a number because Clayton Kershaw looks about as good as he's ever had. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, you know, he kind of had a, a rough go of it in May. You know, obviously he was going through some personal stuff with the the, the tragic death of his mother. Uh, so he had a, not only a couple of rough starts, he had two of his shortest outings of his career going only four innings, uh, back-to-back starts. That had never happened with Clayton Kershaw. So now 
what we've seen over the last month, especially in the month of June, while the Dodgers have struggled, he has been the model of consistency. In fact, it was his start against the Angels last week that the Dodgers desperately needed. Coming off of, a, of an embarrassing three-game sweep at the hands of the Giants, they needed Kershaw to get themselves back on track. And it's not easy to go into Coors Field, even though they just got smacked down by the Angels 25-1 to recently. Uh, it's not easy to go in there and shut them out. So, you know, shout out to, to Kirsch and the Dodgers, uh, brilliant performance from him. And, and like you said, uh, hopefully it's nothing too serious, but you know what? Wouldn't shock me, Kev, especially with Urias about ready to come back. If it's a revolving door, Urias comes in, Kershaw goes on the IL just to give himself a, a week or two off. And, and we'll see how this Dodgers, I, not that the Dodgers can afford that right now, but I'm saying something like that just to preserve his arm and everything else wouldn't shock me right now. Yeah, I hope not, because there's another pitcher who's looking pretty bad, and we have a question on him that we'll get to, but I'm alluding to Tony Gonsolin, who has not looked like himself in his last two outings. And I guess Hideo Nomo gets to keep his impressive feet to himself another day, because throwing a no-hitter at Coors Field just seems impossible, even though they keep moving back the fences. No one seems to be able to get that done. J.D. Martinez, two home runs in this game. An impressive feat reaching a milestone of his 300th career home run. And what a better uniform to do it than in a Dodgers uniform with the fact that Robert Van Skoyok, the guy that reinvigorated and invented J.D. Martinez's approach way back when, is now the Dodgers hitting coach. And the 300th home run is with Van Skoyok and the Dodgers. So just a little thing right there to keep in mind how baseball can be how baseball can be magical sometimes and make sure to vote JD Martinez as your national league designated hitter in the all-star game, because there's not a, there's not a doubt in my mind that there's anyone else more deserving than JD Martinez right now. You know, he hit what 16 home runs all of last year in Boston. And even though he was an all-star that last year, Kev, everyone kind of thought, ah, is this the beginning of the end? What a great pickup this turned out to be for, for the Dodgers. I mean, actually him, Jason Hayward, David Peralta, they've all been, really solid, but J.D. Martinez in particular has really given the Dodgers that anchor in the middle of the order that they haven't always had, even with the Trey Turners and Corey Seegers and Justin Turners of the world. J.D., they've never quite had a pure hitter like him, so he has just been absolutely superb. Two more home runs, 18 uh, for the season. He's got uh, 300 now for his career. I mean, this guy is having a Hall of Fame-type career. Let's be honest. And he's had a, an all-star caliber season for the Dodgers. No doubt in my mind, he deserves to uh, to, to make the all-star game in the, for the Midsummer Classic. So uh, Dodgers needed that tonight. They, they needed somebody to pick them up. And it was good to see him, uh, you know, get, get that offense rolling. 100%. Max Muncy's back. Michael Bush demoted. This leads us to some questions right now. Dodge 16 underscore underscore 12. Thoughts on keeping Miguel Vargas over Michael Bush. Um, I mean, the way Miguel Vargas is swinging right now, it's hard to really say he's more deserving than Michael Bush. Michael Bush has actually been pretty clutch with runners in scoring position. At one point, he was hitting 400, four for 10. And it's just unfortunate for Bush that he doesn't get the everyday looks because with Max Muncy back, he's your third baseman. They were playing Michael Bush at third baseman. What's kind of rubbing me the wrong way, though, is that just a couple days ago, Dave Roberts was talking about that Michael Bush and Miguel Vargas could split reps at second base, giving some giving each other friendly competition. And instead, they send Bush down immediately. Yanni Hernandez is still up. And so a lot of us Dodger fans are asking ourselves, does Michael Bush have a future with this team? 
I, I believe he does. I, I mean, he has shown, and not not only you talked about his clutch at bats. What about his defense at third base? This was a guy that I thought could only play first base in the outfield a little bit, but he showed he could really plug that hole at third base. Had had a couple of nice defensive plays in that series against the Angels, but um, you know, I, I would have kept Bush up. I would have tried to you know find ways to you know get get him starts in left field. Uh, you know, get him starts at second base. Maybe try some things over there. Miguel Vargas, yeah, he's in the middle of a rough stretch. Just like we saw with James Altman. Altman was in, has, has had quite a few rough stretches. Kevin, this is the side effect of keeping these young guys. They're going to get their reps. They're going to show out at times, but they're also going to struggle. And they're going to have longer than normal stretches because they're rookies. So the more that these opposing pitchers and these opposing teams see them, the more the scouting reports develop and they find the flaws in the swings. So now you have to adjust to the adjustments. And Miguel Vargas hasn't quite adapted to that yet and now you and you saw Altman struggle with that now Altman is starting to get hot again so I don't mind keeping Miguel Vargas up I think he's going to figure it out I thought he was kind of on the right uh, track of doing that after that home run against the Angels on uh, I think it was last Tuesday night or last Wednesday night uh, but at the same point in time you know you like to kind of ride the hot hands without losing anybody in the process so it's it's a really tough call but it was a necessary one. At least now Bush can get the everyday starts down in AAA, but he'll get called up again. And I'm sure he'll, he'll continue to have an impact with this team. Miguel Vargas hasn't had a hit since that home run you just referred to. And he is in a bad slump. I mean, looking at the numbers, he's like in a two for 64 slump. He's batting 201 on the season. He's in an 065 batting average over his last 15 games. And I'm willing to give him until the all-star or until the MLB trade deadline. Dodgers got to ask themselves, can we afford to ride Miguel Vargas out for the rest of the season if his numbers are just going to continue to go down? Or do we have to make a decision and even go with Mookie Betts as your primary second baseman and find an outfielder who can cover right field? Because at the end of the day, we need offense and you are giving up something by taking Mookie Betts' defense out of right field and putting it at second base. But if they can find a complimentary right fielder, who can give you almost what Mookie Betts will give you, that which is gold glove defense, then you will be fine. But back on Miguel Vargas, I am starting to get a little frustrated. Um, In that final game against the Astros, which I was in attendance for, so I saw it firsthand, I didn't like the decision with Dave Roberts pinch hitting out J- uh, Johnny DeLuca, who had runners on the corners, I believe, with less than two outs, subbed in Miguel Vargas, who struck out. I felt like we heard we had already known that Vargas was losing at bats as is. Now you're taking a cold guy off the bench, throwing him right into the fire with the game tying run there at third base, and he struck out. I actually didn't like Dave Roberts pulling JD Martinez altogether, which led to Johnny DeLuca into the game, which led to Miguel Vargas. Will Smith had just tied it. It was now a four-four game. There were two outs. Dusty Baker made the pitching switch to bring in Hector Neris, who's one of their best relievers. He was facing J.D. Martinez, who got a two-out single. I think that was just getting too cute because David Peralta, after DeLuca stole second base, didn't able he wasn't able to drive in the run. Now you lose J.D. Martinez for the rest of the game, and you kind of had to figure that the Dodgers weren't going to walk it off with Ryan Presley coming into the game. That one of the best closers in baseball. He gave them two great innings, and then they had that opportunity there in the 11th, and that's when, if you're going to take out J.D. Martinez, then let DeLuca have the at-bat. I don't get why we're taking away DeLuca's opportunity for Vargas, who, like I said, hasn't done anything really in the last month plus. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. Um, yeah, it was a disappointing end to a really well played series. I mean, uh, fortunate or not, on the balk heard around the world and and the ejections that followed suit. Uh, but you know, this is this is the question marks people have had with Dave Roberts and the managing this year because this is probably the first season, probably since his first year, where he's legitimately managing and actually trying to find ways to get the best out of guys where you really haven't had to worry about that the last few years, because the lineups have always just been so loaded, especially now with the, with the universal DH. So it's almost like Ronco, you know, Kev, you set it, you forget it. Now, you know, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Who's got the hot hand, who doesn't, you know, uh, you know, do we go with more speed or more power? And, And going back to your original point, I agree. I think they definitely need to, to address one or two things. Do they get an outfielder and move Mookie Betts to second base or do they keep Mookie over there and right and then go after another, you know, middle infielder who could play two or three positions? That's going to be the million dollar question. And I think, you know, knowing how Andrew Friedman likes to make deals, he's going to go after an arm, but then have an infielder as a throw in if the struggles keep up with Miguel Vargas. But here's the other thing. The deadline's not going to be until the end of July. So it leaves basically one month maybe a, a, a hair less because of the all-star break for Vargas and the Dodgers to figure it out because they also got to figure out this rotation. Do they need another arm in there with the Gonsolin struggles with the injury to may Kershaw? We don't know. And uh, you know, do you need another arm in that bullpen, which has been better of late, but still a little shaky. So, you know, yeah. obviously we'll see, we'll see what happens with Daniel Hudson coming back this weekend. That'll resolve itself. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing them go after another, you know, outfielder or utility type guy, um, you know, just to kind of give them that extra depth and and really, keep, you know, keep the fire under the heels of guys like Vargas and Bush. To answer Infinite Dodgers question on Twitter, how much longer of how much longer do you think Miguel Vargas's rope will be till the, have- yeah, the deadline? Yeah, till the deadline. Uh, you know, here's the thing, too. You got to uh, that. I, I'm always interested in. Are they still having patient at bats or is it obvious that they're pressing? If they're pressing, that's a, that's a problem. But if they're being patient and they're just not getting they're just not making contact on the on the on the pitches or they're, you know, they're hitting the ball hard. But right at guys, that's that's something where it's like, you know what, they could figure it out. So I think that's the one thing that Dodger fans and the media and, and guys like us talking heads like us have, have got to really pay attention to is, you know, what what type of struggles is Vargas truly having? And, and I think once we figure that out, then everything will become a little bit more clear on what the next move is for the Dodgers. I think if Miguel Vargas gets to a point where he's batting 180, you have to send him to AAA. 
So that's my rope right there. If he falls below 180, you're going to have to demote him to the minors. And that's just unfortunate. But like you said, as an everyday player, we'll give him till the deadline. Otherwise, they're going to have to make a trade and outsource and bring someone in who can give them better quality at bats in production. This game was interesting. It started with Tony Gonsolin, who was already coming off a rough outing against the San Francisco Giants. And again, Tony Gonsolin did not look like himself. We've been hearing about him not recovering at the Dodgers expectations. And now the velocity is down. It's down over a mile per hour. I saw firsthand he was throwing 89 mile per hour fastballs at at points topped out around 92, 93, but it was mostly velocity average of 91, which is relatively low for a guy that used to throw 94, 95 on a consistent basis. So I don't know what's going on with Tony Gonsolin. Obviously, he's been kind of injury prone the last few seasons. And we talked about maybe Kershaw potentially having to have a skip start. I think Tony Gonsolin, to answer Dennis Bryan's question on Twitter, was this a bad day for Tony Gonsolin or is there something else going on with him? I don't know. I'm getting kind of concerned. This is why I think the Dodgers probably have to be aggressive at the trade deadline and acquire another starting pitcher because a guy like Tony Gonsolin could go out at any minute. I'm starting to see a lot of red flags with him. He's a great pitcher when he's on it. I mean, he had a 195 ERA up until his last two starts. Now he's sitting at a 330 ERA. He's given up 11 earned runs over his last 11 innings pitched. So that's definitely something um, to keep your eye out on. Uh, so Tony Gonsolin had a bad outing against the Astros. The Dodgers managed to fight their way back in it. We were down four to one. Get into the eighth inning. They bring in Rafael Montero. He hits Mookie Betts. The bases are loaded. Freddie Freeman connects for a big milestone himself. 2000th career hit. So we need to stop right there. It was a double, of course, because that's what Freddie Freeman does. But Chris, Freddie Freeman, 2000 career hits. I don't know if he's going to get to 3000. Uh, but he very well at the pace he's going. I think he would need to average basically 200 hits over the next five seasons, obviously. Um, at his age, I think he's, what, 34? So he'd be have to he'd have to probably play till 40 to even come close to this. I mean, it's it's doable. But even if Freddie Freeman stopped right now, you consider him a Hall of Famer? Oh, no doubt. I think he's been the one of the great first basemen we've seen over the last, you know, 13, 14 years, a model of consistency. The guy's done it all. And, you know, the World Series championship that he won two years ago was really one of the last things he had to accomplish in his illustrious career. So, uh, you know, we've seen some great first basemen in the history of this game. But, you know, the model of consistency, the poise and his ability to to pull the ball, but really he might be one of the best opposite field hitters I've seen. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone who has been a better oppo field hitter than Freddie Freeman. He's just been amazing, not to mention a gold glove first baseman uh, over there at first base. As long as you throw it into the vicinity, he's going to find a way to, to, be, to be a Hoover over there and just suck it up. Uh, so, I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Congrats to Freddie and the 2,000 hits. He's got a wonderful family. He's humble. Uh, he, he's really embraced the Dodgers and, and, and the city of Los Angeles. And um, I'm sure that was special for him to do it back where it kind of all started for him, you know, in Southern California. The Incline Dodgers is brought to you by TickPick. I've been on a roll with TickPick recently. I recently got a great deal to go sit pretty close up to see the Dodgers play the Houston Astros, even though the Dodgers lost. I had a great time and I didn't have to pay any service fees thanks to TickPick. I also used TickPick recently to purchase some tickets to see Jimmy World in concert. And best thing about both these deals I paid less than face value, and that's what you can do if you download the TickPick app. 
search for your favorite sporting team, event, artist, band, you name it. You'll be surprised. You're going to find better deals sometimes than what you would find on the open market. So give TickPick a chance. They also, if you click, if you go to their uh, Twitter page or their website, there are sometimes offers. You can save $10 if you're a new user. So download the TickPick app, proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers. Anyways, Freddie Freeman, there's the hit. 2004-2 game. Will Smith finding his way for an all-star spot as well. We got a tight race going on between Will Smith and Sean Murphy of the Atlanta Braves. Both deserving, in my opinion. But Will Smith coming through in the clutch, hit that massive two-run home run, 4-4 ball game, and that's how we got into extra innings. Um, so that's that game right there. Uh, not much else to add. We kind of went pretty deep into that one. But game two is actually probably the most interesting game of the series. Led off with Bobby Miller, who looked fantastic through four innings, was nearly unhittable, and then completely rattled off in the fifth inning. I don't know what's happened. This is two starts in a row where he looks pretty good and then just has one massive colossal failure inning. So, Chris, I don't know if you had any thoughts on what's going on with Bobby Miller and these struggles in one inning in particular. Yeah, and once again, for for what I said, this is a byproduct of having all these young guys, Kev. You know, uh, you're, you're going to go through the, the good times, the bad times, and, and now teams are starting to really figure him out. I think there's, there's enough footage of, of him where he's not blindsiding anybody either. So, um, you know, I, I, he'll be, he'll be fine as long as he could be competitive. That's the thing. You, you know, I'm not saying you got to go out there and throw six innings to shut out ball, you know, even like what Emmett Sheehan is doing right now, that's not realistic, nor is it sustainable. But if you could give the Dodgers five, maybe six innings, three, four runs, you could live with that. And, and that's what Miller has to shoot for. But sometimes with these young guys, they start hitting some adversity. They start to kind of get a little shell-shocked and their confidence gets down. I don't think that's going to be the case with Miller. But I just think he wasn't going to stay perfect forever. And uh, so so this is this is going through a little bit of those hard times, just like with Miguel Vargas. Yeah, I agree. I'm very curious to see how Bobby Miller looks in his next start. That's going to be a massive litmus test because if he has three bad outings in a row, Dodgers are going to have to start to ask themselves – do we need to go elsewhere, maybe send him down to get his confidence back? Because the talent and stuff is there. This is a guy you want up at the MLB level. And so if he can get over that mental hurdle, he is a future bona fide ace. He sure looks like it. But the Dodgers are showing a lot of resilience, especially over the last few games. So they were down seven to three. At one point in the game, David Peralta comes in as a pinch hitter. And you heard it from me last week. I called that David Peralta home run. I said he would hit one in that series. Off the bench, two-run home run, 7-5 game. And then in the later innings, Astros bullpen continued to melt down. James Outman, who we referred to earlier, had a pretty awkward double that got caught in the fencing. I think a lot of fans, including myself, thought that was gone. So I thought it was a home run. So that really deceived me. But, I mean, the bounce back from James Outman, he's batting 283 over his last 15 games. His Batting average for the season now is 240 with a 323 on base. So he's definitely been trending upwards, which is nice because this guy carried the Dodgers in April and we thought he was a potential all-star and rookie of the year candidate. Now Corbin Carroll is running away with that one. But if the Dodgers can get consistent production, at least from James Outman, you'll take it, especially with the struggles from Miguel Vargas. Uh, but anyways, I got a, a, I got quite the rant here, guys. Co-idiots of the week belong to Ryan Stanek. And Ben Verlander, but first on Stanek. You did you think that was a balk, Chris? 
Well, first of all, let me tell you, I have always been confused on what's a balk, what isn't a balk, and 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 here's the other X factor. Now you got the pitch clock situation, and 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 you know what could be a violation from the hitter or from the pitcher. So now that throws an, e- an either bigger wedge into this whole thing. Um, at first glance, I wasn't too sure. Then seeing the replay and everything, I'm like, I guess it's possible, but. You know, here's the thing, Kev, as a baseball fan, I always hate to see games decided by those technical type plays. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you're watching a basketball game, you don't want to see a game decided by free throws, right? You want to see it being decided by the two teams duking it out, who's going to make the most shots and whatnot. So uh, that that was the disappointing aspect. I could understand Ryan Sanek's frustration. I mean, it was it was an improbable win for the Dodgers, uh, probably one of their best wins of the season. But yeah, that at first glance – yeah, I guess I guess the safest way for me to answer that, Kev, maybe. Maybe it was a balk. Maybe it's not. <laughs> Clear balk. Could not be a more obvious balk. In the past, I'm like, what's a balk? What's not a balk? This was a balk. Astro fans are sore losers. They're going to tell you otherwise and cry on Twitter. But this was a balk. I mean, his arm was dangling down like he's Craig Kimbrell light. Then he stands upright. One ball is about to get into the other mitt. And what does he do? The Cupid shuffle. I mean, this isn't a dance party, fool. Your legs are just dangling all over the place. You look like Squidward. Everybody on the field was thrown off except James Outman, who said he was looking at uh, Dino Ebel. But regardless, to the point, after I saw the replay, knew that was a balk. It was the right call. Junior Valentine, shout out to him, keeping it together. He's going to get barked by Ryan Sanic, who looked like a complete ass on national television. Dodgers took the lead eight to seven after runner from third was able to advance to home. And then after the inning concluded, Stanek went into full incredible Hulk joke looking asshole self. I mean, he was shouting all types of explicit, explicit, you know, go F yourself type of things. Impressive that Fox was able to bleep that out. Um, But then the way Stanek was just barking at Valentin, that's why I'm impressed with Junior Valentine was able to just keep a straight face like one of those British guards. Meanwhile, Stanek looked like he was a five-year-old at a toy store after mommy said, no, you can't get whatever your your Bionicle, your Lego or your Pokemon cards or your, your Game Boy game uh, Barbie doll. Maybe Stanek's a Barbie doll guy. I don't freaking know. But he looked like a he looked like a pussy. Not going to lie. All bark. No bite. Glad he got ejected. Dusty Bear got ejected, too. But. At the end of the day, that was a clear balk. So that's one idiot. Now let's get to the other idiot, which is Ben Verlander. Normally, David especially is the one to really go at Ben Verlander. Um, Jake occasionally, and I usually play Switzerland and just kind of let it fly. But I mean, come on. He didn't post one tweet. He posted like four tweets about how this wasn't supposed to be a balk. And talk about irony. This is the guy... That looked the other way because his brother was on the Houston Astros who cheated for three seasons. And so I couldn't let this slide. I tweeted at Ben Verlander. I said, it's pretty ironic coming from you that you don't care that the Astros broke the rules for three years and you'll praise them. But when Major League Baseball enforces a rule, you're completely triggered and upset. And so funny enough, he responded to me trying to be think he's some clever smart ass saying when have i ever showed that um i praise the astros three minutes to find something stupid that he said and so the tweet was basically from ben verlander in 2020 
responding to someone, but he said, I didn't own or try to own him. I like Jared, whoever that is. And we obviously disagree on certain topics, which is okay. I'm obviously biased, but it just bothers me when the Strohs get all the hate, when it's so apparent it was everywhere and there was a huge problem. Ben, what the hell are you talking about? You're just throwing out random accusations like you're some conspiracy theorist. You're instead of dismissing or I should say diminishing the fact that your Astros cheated who don't even have Shohei Otani. So I don't even know what's going on with this guy. It's like pick a side already. Two AOS teams driving me nuts. But uh, the point is you can't just throw out random accusations like that with no facts or data presenting a point to back up what you're saying at all. It just makes yourself look like an ass. He responded to me again. He got completely ratioed. I mean, I got like 400 likes for each of my responses to him. I absolutely put him in a body bag, stuffed him into a locker, threw him into a sleeping bag in the dumpster, completely wrecked him. The hypocrisy from this guy was just unreal. So Ben Verlander and Ryan Stanek, co-idiots of the week. You guys are morons. Well said, sir. My goodness. That's, that was a mouthful right there. And by the way, I like your description at the end. Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Ray Liotta would have been from Goodfellas would have been proud of you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, there, there, Ben Verlander, I know he's he's made a name for himself the last couple of years. Uh, you know, But these guys, they like to troll, and that's the thing. But, you know, Kev, uh, I, I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to rise above that because I've been on the other end of that, and I'm like, nothing good's going to come out of it. But it sounds like in your case it did because you ended up winning, and you got some traction on those tweets. So so well done, sir. But, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, a win is a win. No one's going to care how, how it came, whether it be a balk or a walk-off or whatnot. You know, it would have been nice to sweep the Astros, but two out of three against a team that is still the defending World Series champs, still an above 500 team and you know for the Dodgers they just need wins that's what it is they got to keep pace with the Giants and and the D-backs right now who really aren't losing a whole lot so that's that's the number one priority but yeah the Dodgers beat the Astros at the end of the day so you'll take it um looking ahead the Dodgers have pretty light opponents until the all-star break I mean they got two more with the Rockies then they play the Royals then they play the Pirates all teams that are just falling to the surface right now the Dodgers should easily go easily go seven and three or eight and two so this is an opportunity to catch the other teams in the NOS in the standings and even move up to first place as we get closer to the all-star break Chris Taylor went to the IL he's battling some knee issues we don't know how long he'll be out hence that's why Yanni Hernandez is up Chris already mentioned Urias and Daniel Hudson are coming back probably this week so that's really exciting Andre Jackson got traded to the Pirates Taylor Scott got traded to the Red Sox, bringing in your all-time favorite player, cash considerations, and uh, that's pretty much all I got mentioned. The, end of the three-inning save is now headed to Pittsburgh. Man, best of luck to Andre Jackson. Uh, you know, showed some talent, just the consistency wasn't always there, but, you know, may, maybe he'll, you know, a change of scenery might help him, but I think he's on a career trajectory similar to a guy like Mitch White where it's like, you know, he was a herald, not a heralded prospect, but just a very good minor leaguer that never quite made the transition. Uh, Taylor Scott, good riddance. Yeah, he was he was terrible for, for the Dodgers. And, you know, I'm interested to see what Daniel Hudson can be because this is a guy that could be your next fire extinguisher the way he was last year. Like, you like to call him the mailman, always yes. delivers. So we'll see what he looks like. Jimmy Nelson, I thought his career was done. Now he's getting close to coming back. We'll see, you know, if and when. He does make a return. 
Uh, but there was a story, uh, Kev, about the Dodgers could be in the mix for a certain Mets all-star uh, uh, starting pitcher. Now, could this be the return of Max Scherzer or what? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I didn't read, the, I didn't read that whole story. But the Mets are having a disastrous season right now, and they could end up being sellers at the deadline. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but it is fun to talk about. So, what do you think? Should, could, should the Dodgers? make a deal with Steve Cohen and the Mets and try to, you know, help their starting pitchers with one of those two, uh, you know, aging hall of future hall of famers in Scherzer and Verlander. The Mets are so bad. I think they're going to blow this team up before the deadline. And Steve Cohen tweeted actually earlier this evening, he's got a big press conference tomorrow, whatever that means. It could just be a troll. Um, I don't think the Dodgers would consider trading for Max Scherzer because he's got a $43 million option for 2024 which would be at this point in time, the highest AAV ever for a player. So I don't think the Dodgers want to have that on the books, especially if they sign that guy out in Anaheim. Uh, Justin Verlander, I'm a little bit more intrigued with. I mean, I did kind of call for him to be a potential option this past offseason. I didn't think he was going to get as much as he did. But then again, the Mets are just overpaying for guys. If the Mets are willing to eat some of that big fat chunk of the salary, I could be down, although Justin Berlander is 40 now, so that kind of concerns me. And even though he won the Cy Young last season, he hasn't looked the same this season. He's got like a four ERA. Yeah, I mean, both are intriguing options, obviously. Uh, Verlander, I believe, is on the first of a two-year deal, right? Or did he get yeah. – he got – yeah, he didn't – so that is more intriguing for the Dodgers. I, I think they would be willing to take him on for the rest of this season and put him out there for, for next season. And you know how they like to manage arms. And I think for a team that has this many young pitchers, right, and we don't know what the future is with Julio Arias. We don't know what the future is with Clayton Kershaw beyond this season. You look at this rest of this rotation, yeah, you'll have Bueller come back, but we don't know what the status is of Justin May. Tony Gonsolin has been a little bit more prone to getting smacked around of late. You know, Emmett Sheehan's nice, Bobby Miller's nice, but we, you know, yeah, so, I mean, you want to get guys who – you know, can be there for you in, in that rotation. Because like I said, we don't know how this rotation is going to look moving forward. I understand the Otani sweepstakes, you know, that, that could factor into it. But I just want to say that if you have a chance to get yourself a Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, you know, these guys are going to be gamers. Um, you know, you, you know that these guys are not going to shy away. In not Scherzer. <laughs> well, I don't know. May, may, maybe now he might be able to push it a little bit more. But I mean, Verlander, especially, you know, I know he had his struggles in the World Series throughout his career. Uh, but I'm talking about in the World Series, uh, you know, ALDS, ALCS. This guy has been one of the most proven uh, performers in October over the last 10 to 12 years, you know, going back to his time with the Detroit Tigers. So if you can land yourself a big fish like that and you add him to a rotation at, for October, that could include Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias. And then, you know, we'll see about another, you know, four starter in there. Maybe Tony Gonsolin gets his stuff together. Now you got something there. So just something to consider uh, for, uh, for the Dodgers. And by the way, where the hell is Ryan Pepio? Is this guy coming back anytime soon, Kev? I mean, or does he have the worst oblique injury in the history of mankind? It's almost like Kendrick Nunn with the Lakers had missed a whole year <laughs> because of the bone bruise, man. Come on. I think he does have the worst oblique injury of all time. I think he just started to get into baseball activities, whatever that means. Um, Like in theory, I would have loved to have had Verlander if the Mets didn't freaking overpay him. 
I also am aware that he has a vesting option for the 2025 season. So if he throws 140 innings in 2024, he's he's earned himself another 35 million for 2025. And then he'd be 42 at that point. And then you got Scherzer, who, I mean, like you said, Hall of Famer, besides the one time he quit on the Dodgers, has been an absolute gamer and bulldog. Um, but he was bad in the postseason last season and got completely shelled by the Padres and seems to be dealing with nagging injuries at this point in, in his career. And speaking of the Padres, wow, 37 and 42, the clubhouse by some accounts is at its all time low right now. We don't know who you can really trust out there because the reputable reputable reporters aren't going to really throw it out, throw that out there in existence. But we're hearing things that there's a lot of toxicity in there. Um, no word yet of what they would do in terms of shaking the clubhouse up, but it's a mess in San Diego right now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me get out the excuse roll Rolodex. We'll be okay. Once Tatis gets back. Picking up a friend from the airport. Choir practice. What excuse is it now for San Diego? You know, I got I got my mother-in-law in the hospital with the podiatrist. I mean, I seriously. No, it just seems like it's been a year of excuses. This was supposed to be their year, Kev. You know, I mean, they, they, they had a full season with Juan Soto. They were getting Tatis back. They, they got Manny Machado to sign an extension. They got Z- Xander Bogarts, even though they struck out on guys like Trey Turner and Aaron Judge. They still got themselves a hell of a freaking hitter. You know, you extended a lot of your key guys that were coming off some really good seasons. And now everything has just kind of blown up in their face. And, you know, we thought this was going to be San Diego's year to, to maybe win the division and, and be one of the elite teams in the National League. And now they're what? They're fourth in the, in the National League West right now? I mean, yeah. obviously. Nobody saw Arizona coming. Giants 50-50. It seems like every other year they put together some sort of run. But it was supposed to be San Diego, then the Dodgers, and then everybody else. And now, I mean, the Dodgers, yeah, they've had their struggles, but they're still 10 games above 500. These guys are five games below 500, and it's just like it's been a massive disappointment. But as we know, uh, Kev, it's too early to write anybody off. And they were in a similar situation last year. What happened? They went on a run late in the season. That propelled them to, you know, uh, take care of business in the wild card round and then eventually take care of the Dodgers and then basically make an improbable run to the NLCS. So I am not writing anyone off yet, but through the first 80 games or so this season, they've been very disappointing. To your point, though, last season, they weren't a very good team. And then they traded for Juan Soto. And I think that lit a fire under them, even though he wasn't that great as a Padre his sec- in that second half. There was just a different dynamic in that in that clubhouse. They didn't have Tatis either. Now they have Tatis. Now they have a full season with Soto and they're underperforming. And so, like you said, we got to whip out the excuses. What is it now? It seems like there are there are no excuses worth even reporting. And so I'm not buying this team. No, of course. And what's so funny to me, it's like, well, where's the toxicity coming from? Because, yes, they've got a lot of stars and, you know, not, but you know, Manny Machado, everyone was talking about what a great leader he is. And he's really embraced that leadership role. You bring in a guy like Nelson Cruz, he's been around Cronenworth, a, a proven winner, a, you know, a a guy that's, you know, Bogarts. Yeah, exactly. Bogarts, another two-time world series champion. You're bringing in guys who are pretty high character guys. 
So I'm I'm trying I'm, I'm a little confused where this toxicity is coming from. Specifically, is it from Tatis? Is it from maybe Soto? Is is it just the stench of losing and not really understanding why? Because sometimes that could lead to some issues. Case in point, I hate to bring up another NBA reference, the Lakers of 2021 and 2022. I mean, they were a top-heavy team. Uh, they they had a lot of veterans, but yet they there was a, a dysfunction there, and that's why they only won 33 games. And I'm wondering, uh, this Padres team, not quite at that level, but sort of we've got all this talent, we've got all these veterans. Why, why aren't we more together? Why are we so disjointed? So I think – I, I think they've got a lot to figure out, man. I, I really yeah. do. I don't know what's going to fix them at this point. What do you think? I I don't know what could fix them. Like their pitching as a whole have actually been the strength of that team. They're not giving that many runs. It's just boiling down to the offense, really underperforming. And I hope it stays that way. So I'm not going to even throw out like theories of what could turn them around because I'm happy with them sucking. All we heard was the media praising the Mets and the Padres for being big spenders. And then when the Dodgers were big spenders for the last few years, the media put them down like, oh, they're just trying to buy championships. So it's like, can't pick, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's like, pick a side. If you want to hate on the Dodgers because that fits your narrative or you're just a Dodger hater, then don't now start praising the other side. This East Coast bias, this Padres bias, it just drives me nuts sometimes. Um, we, we do have some names that, apparently could be on the trade market. So you actually hit on the exciting ones, which were Scherzer and Verlander, but we're also starting to hear from, uh, I think it was Buster Olney and maybe someone else that Andrew McCutcheon could be traded at this deadline. The pirates as predict as predictable as it was have fallen off. They were 12 games above 500. They are now just in a tailspin and they're like seven games below 500. They're going to, put the ball in McCutcheon's court, basically asking him, do you want to go compete for a world series? Is that something you want done in your career? Or do you want to just be comfortable in Pittsburgh? So I think they're going to show him that respect and whatever McCutcheon decides, um, obviously that would be the outcome, but this is a potential option for the Dodgers. Been saying this for a couple years now, great platoon bat can kill lefties. Another I think a very positive leadership influence. And so I'm circling McCutcheon as a guy to keep your eye out on. Yeah, no, I, I, I've always liked Kutch. I think he's fantastic. Uh, congrats to him. He had a milestone. Didn't he have a, didn't he have his, uh, what, 1,000, uh, I, I don't want to say he had 2,000 hits, but he had a milestone earlier this year uh, for, for the Pirates. So, um, but yeah, no, a, an accomplished hitter. Uh, he's been successful pretty much everywhere he's gone, minus that little stint with the with the Yankees. But yes, and that's a guy who who, who could play right field. So if you want to keep Mookie Betts over there at second base, and you pick up a guy like McCutcheon, you don't have any problems keeping him in right field. You you know he could hit. You know he's got some pop. He could play some solid defense there, and he gives you a, a, another right-handed bat, which is always solid to have for for the Dodgers. And uh, right. you know definitely to keep an eye on. You know somebody else, probably not as attainable. As far as far as a guy that can hit the trade uh, block for for the Dodgers, what if Hunter Renfro of the Angels became available? Assuming the Angels fall off of the next month, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. That guy's that guy just smokes the ball too. He hits the ball very hard, crushes lefties. Pretty good defender too. Um, if the Dodgers could at- obtain Renfro at a reasonable rate. I like that idea. I think he's a pretty solid hitter and he's, he's been around. I mean, he's like on a new team every year for some reason, 
But I think the milestone you're referring to, I'm looking it up. McCutcheon now is sitting at 2009 hits. So it's that 2000th career hit that he obtained yeah. earlier this year. Uh, but right. then the other guy that I've seen out there, there's a few nationals relievers that it looks like they're willing to flip at the deadline. Your boy, Kyle Finnegan, it's yes, looking sir. highly likely he's getting dealt this deadline. Yeah, no, I know. I've liked Finnegan for a while, quietly effective the last couple of years. What was funny was he started the year off as a closer, and then now they're going with Hunter Harvey. I should know this because Finnegan was on my fantasy team, and I had to drop him because the guy wasn't getting any saves. He's getting scoreless innings, but I need saves. Where's the saves? Where's the wins? So, yes, that could be a, an option definitely for, for the Dodgers. Um, you know, I know a lot of people like yourself have talked about Liam Hendricks, and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe even Joe Kelly could become available from, from the Chicago yeah. White Sox. I want Scott Kendall Bar- Graveman. Kendall Graveman, yeah, that's another one. Scott Barlow, Aroldis uh, Chapman. So, I mean, and and I think once teams start to drop off a little bit more in July, the market could end up even expanding. So, uh, th- those are a, a couple of key guys to to definitely keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, I, d- I definitely like Kyle Finnegan. Uh, if the Dodgers could find a way to get their hands on somebody like that, that would be another good seventh, eighth inning guy to to throw in there, especially if things don't quite work out with Daniel Hudson coming back. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to add, so we'll get into our final thoughts now. First, shout out to Jake Reiner, who was recently featured in People magazine. They wrote up an article about the the Reiner family, the uh, the linear tradition of baseball that's extended from his grandfather down to his father. Now down to Jake, all passionate Dodger fans going way out into Brooklyn, actually, then coming to Los Angeles and so pretty cool story right there. So make sure to, to look that one up. Uh, if you go to Jake's Twitter at Reiner underscore Jake or just Google Rob Reiner or Jake Reiner Dodgers people, I'm sure you can find it. Pretty good read. It also shouts out this podcast, The Incline Dodgers. Um, And then the last thing that I want to mention, because we are a Dodgers podcast, this bullpen's actually been on a bit of a roll. They did get Phil Bickford back, who was great two outings ago. Not this most recent outing, but this is a stat I'll credit to Dodgers tailgate. So you can follow them on Twitter over the Dodgers last seven games. The bullpen, the bullpen has an 030. Oh, yeah. Oh, 30 ERA. Yeah, no, they uh, I figured it would be a matter of time before they they would figure it out. You know, uh, yes, they, they didn't pitch well in April. They didn't pitch well to close out May, and they didn't pitch well the first weeks of the season. But, you know, that like I said, these guys – and I think they had a, their own closed-door meeting going into that Angel series, and it's like, hey, we've got to stop, and we, we've got to find a way to, to get this, you know, together. Because here's the other thing. You don't want to lose your jobs either. These are professionals. I, I mean, they, they want to be out there. Guys like Vestia want to be out there. Almonte wants to be out there. They don't want to see a guy like Daniel Hudson or, or uh, you know, Jimmy Nelson come back and just be like, yeah, I'll take it from here, guys. No, these these guys, this is a proud competitive group who had a ton of success last year and for some of them even the year before. So they want to go out there and they want to and they want to compete. So, you know, bullpens are fickle things, Kev. You know, here today, gone tomorrow with closers and, and middle relievers and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes you're going to fall off. You're going to hit rough patches. But I'm glad to see that they're going on a little bit of a roll. Let's see if they could sustain it. And uh, let's see, you know, how some of these new pieces look. So that way they make Andrew Friedman's life very difficult come the trade deadlines. Like, hey, you don't need to get any relievers. 
you got everything you need right here. So, uh, and one more shout out to, to Jake Reiner as well. That's, that's, that's a wonderful accomplishment. His family is Hollywood royalty. You know, Carl Reiner is a, is a comedic legend. Obviously his father, Rob Reiner, uh, a uh, 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 highly acclaimed director and you know who could forget meathead from all in the family and jake said a fantastic job himself on this podcast and as well as on kcal so i just wanted to give him a shout out because that's pretty awesome that uh, his family was featured on uh, people magazine chris thank you so much for jumping on any final thoughts questions segments you wanted to address before we close this out yeah i got a question does barry manilow know that you rate his wardrobe <laughs> I'm just kidding, Kev. I had to quote Judd Nelson from The Breakfast Club. No, but thank you so much for having me on, man. I always appreciate it. Uh, you guys do a great job on this podcast, and I'm always happy to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, thanks for always thinking of me. So, yeah, be sure to follow me at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter, Camelo one on Instagram, and follow the outlet forum, uh, the, pod, the basketball podcast that I ho- co-host uh, every Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Awesome. Basketball season or I should say basketball off season is really getting rolling and hearing a lot of exciting buzz. So you'll want to tune into the outlet forum for that. Well, thank you guys so much for following the incline Dodgers. Make sure to make sure to subscribe and download wherever you get your episodes. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, We could use your reviews and you guys have a great week. So go Dodgers. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.